0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here along with our MLB.com Red Sox reporter, Ian Brown. And, Ian, the Red Sox have run into that one-run issue again the last couple of nights. They lose 4-3 to in 11 to the Rays and then 2-1 to on Thursday to the Rays. A couple of tough losses, but the Blue Jays slipped up against the Angels, so the Red Sox remain in a first-place tie heading into a weekend series with the Royals. I want to start with Thursday's game a little bit, Ian, and just the fact that Drew Pomerantz pitches well again. It seems like he's been a little bit snake-bitten since his since he's come to Boston. I mean, he's pitched well on numerous occasions, hasn't had a lot to say for it. Yeah, no, I think that, uh, you know, rather than the fact that he's
1: lost a couple of these games, I think you have to be really encouraged. You know, right? he had a tough uh, two-to-three, first two-to-three start initiation with the Red Sox where he his command was iffy and didn't look completely comfortable. And he's really locked it in the last uh, really three, four times he's taken the mound. And this can only be good. I mean, the key for this team um, going forward is going to be how they pitch with those starters, you know, on, the, on the, the five times through the rotation. So nothing but good to see Pomerantz uh, settling in like he has of late. And hopefully they'll, you know, they'll start to score some runs for him soon.
0: Yeah, career-high 11 strikeouts. He's looking a lot more like the San Diego Padres all-star from the first half now, and that's good to see. Uh, the big bad news of the week is Andrew Benintendi getting hurt, Ian, and obviously he had provided a huge spark for this team. Uh, you only have to look back to Tuesday night and, and a home run-saving catch, one of the catches of the year really, going into the left field corner at uh, in St. Petersburg, and then the next night he ends up leaving the game with an injury. Uh, it's the 15-day disabled list. Is there confidence that after the couple of weeks away he'll be able to return?
1: Yeah, Tim, we're actually going to know uh, more on that later today. The Red Sox just got home from a long road trip and that the Red Sox doctors were going to take a closer look and do some further testing. So you know, really hard to speculate right now. But at any rate, it's a big blow to the short term the next couple weeks because this guy was playing so well. Uh, It was amazing how he just wasn't uh, phased by his surroundings at all. You have a guy who was just drafted, you know, less than a year and a half ago, looking like he's been, uh, you know, in the major leagues his whole life. So you just hope that he can maybe get back later in September and, you know, hopefully be a part of the team in the postseason. It's just amazing to me. This left field position has been completely jinxed for the Red Sox this season. Every single guy they put out there has been placed on the disabled list, with the exception of Ruznay Castillo, who just, quite simply, he stunk. <laughs> you know, so he was taken off the, the 40-man roster entirely, but that, that position, they had finally found some stability uh, with Andrew Benintendi. Fortunately, you do have Chris Young back at this point. You have Brock Holt back.
0: Have some guys are at least help out there, but it, it is a big blow to lose Benintendi right now. I was going to say, while you do lose him, and he was playing at, a, at an all-star level, really, you do have guys to step in, guys that you thought were going to be the left fielders this season, and in Chris, uh, Chris Young and, and Brock, so that certainly helps. David Ortiz continues to do it, and I think we, we have to have a David Ortiz segment every podcast. This time around, he becomes the oldest player ever to hit 30 home runs. I mean, you, you rattle that off, and it's one thing, but then you start to think about it. The oldest player to ever hit 30 home runs. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, you know, I was kind of well aware of those numbers because I had written a story back in spring training. You know, it's one of those things you they, they want you to write, like a fearless uh, prediction type of thing. And I wrote that uh, I thought David Ortiz could have the best season of any 40-year-old in history. So he's really – got to pat him on the back because he's really – he's made me look good on that one. <laughs> but, yeah, it was amazing. it was somewhat amazing to me that no 40-year-old had ever hit 30 home runs before. I think it was Darrell Evans at uh, 29 until Ortiz this year. But, yeah, it's just a credit to – You know, the way he's kept himself in shape, the way he's uh, kept his bat speed, how hard he's worked, and also I think the fact that he's a DH, he's had a lot less wear and tear in his body than than most 40-year-olds who have played this game simply because he's been a DH really
0: most of his career. Ian, Craig Kimbrell, uh, he's gotten a hard time this year, I think, from Red Sox fans uh, for just some kind of big blow-ups along the way. But I think we need to give Craig Kimbrell some credit. Since returning from the disabled, list, he has been – Unbelievable. Six for six save chances. He's given up one earned run in nine innings. Batters are hitting 06-7 against him. Uh, and he's got 17 strikeouts in those nine innings. This is the Craig Kimbrell that the Red Sox signed up for.
1: Yeah, no, it's been very encouraging to see. And maybe that little break was the best thing for him. Um, and yeah, he's just been lights out for the most part. And even when he's had some tough innings, he's found a way to get out of them. And it's fun watching his competitiveness kind of kick in during some of these jams that he gets himself into. And, uh, yeah, you could tell with his stuff that it was only a matter of time. It's not like there was any drop off at of his velocity. He was just missing some pitches, maybe, uh, you know, squeezing the ball a little too hard, trying to make an impression with a new team. But, yeah, it's a, a great sign the way he's pitched. He had that one tough one. I think it was against the Yankees. Boy, he's having a tough time getting his, his knee planted uh, in, in the ground that night. For a guy who just had knee surgery not too long ago, there
0: might be some nights where he's not feeling that great. But, uh, yeah, by and large, he's pushed really well since coming back. Pablo Sandoval, because the Red Sox were down in Florida, had a chance to kind of check in with his teammates. He continues his season-long rehab, obviously. And it's almost to a situation, I think, where – You almost kind of forget about Pablo Sandoval because of what's happened with this team and the fact that he hasn't been there all year long. Uh, But his presence for a day, I guess, checking in with the team brings up the question, is there going to be a place for this guy in 2017, Ian? When you look at where this team is and and more young players coming up uh, all the time, I mean, that remains a big question mark, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, the fact that they're paying this guy all this this
1: money, I think that they'll try to give him a spot to earn a chance to earn his way back. And, look, um, I think we get too carried away in Boston especially. You know, you look at a guy's bad first year in Boston. Um, Look at Hanley Ramirez. It's a good thing they stayed patient with him. You know, look at the year he's having this year. And I think they think a similar thing could be happening, uh, could happen with Sandoval. Look, I remember with John Lackey, everyone in Boston hated this guy. And he had Tommy John surgery. He came back. And he pitched, uh, you know, they won a World Series because of of John Lackey. So you you have to give Pablo Sandoval a chance to redeem himself. Another example, Rick Porcello. Something about guys after that first uh, year or so in Boston, a lot of these high-profile guys kind of get back to who they are, and maybe this time off for Sandoval has driven him. Maybe it will give him more time to get his body in the best shape possible. And I'm curious to see what they have in him uh, when he does come back, but there's no saying that he can't still be a useful player for this team.
0: Fair enough. I think I said one time that John Lackey was the most hated Red Sox of all time by Red Sox fans. That was before 2013. <laughs> so I'm in the group that tends to uh, jump into those scenarios, but uh, Stephen Wright is back tonight. Ian, um, obviously it's a big lift to this team, but Clay Buckle did a nice job filling in. And I think, we were waiting all season for Clay Buckles to step up and, and really fill a role and, and contribute a, a real positive to this team. And he really did in a couple of starts with Stephen Wright out. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are looking at, at for, for Clay Buckles so the Red Sox should just get rid
1: of him. And, it's, again, that's the <laughs> example of why it's a good thing Dave Dombrowski is the one making the decisions and not some of the people you hear on talk radio or some of the people you hear on Twitter. Because, look, baseball is a long season, you have to be patient sometimes, especially when the Red Sox don't have a lot of starting pitching depth in the upper minors. And Clay really did a job for them when they needed him. He's good for one big hot streak. That's the one thing with Clay; he's always good for a hot streak every year. Um, since about uh, I would say early August now, whether it's bullpen or starting, he's really pitched well. And it's good to have him there because if something else happens with you know one of your starters for the rest of the year now. Uh, You can slot Clay back in there, and also you kind of need Clay uh, in the bullpen right now, the way the the bullpen's going. So, you know, he could be pitching a lot of eighth innings here going
0: forward. Yeah, it could really be a great kind of neat in-season redemption situation for Buckles. I got one more uh, angle for you here in this podcast, Ian, and that is September call-ups, which are about a week away. Obviously, rosters expanding, and, and you often see some young players. I mean, we already have Andrew Benintendi up with the Red Sox, and we've seen a lot of young players come and go. So the big question, I think, is whether or not we might see Yuan Mankata in September. Do you have a guess or, or yeah, maybe dude, a, I gotta say an inkling to of where they're this. leaning? You
1: know, I've got to say that you've got to bring this guy up. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly what role he's going to be in, but, uh, you know, even, even if it's a pinch runner, this is a guy who can give you some value. Why not see what you have? Uh, what if somebody else gets injured and you need somebody a third or someone a second or something? So, yeah, I think you'll see him as just a matter of the roster because, uh, you know, if you're going to bring him up, um, he needs to at least be on the 40-man roster by September 1st, I believe, if you want him to be in the playoffs. So there's, there's going to be some roster maneuvering that's going to have to take place. Do you bring him up right on September 1st? you wait till the minor league season is
0: over? But, you know, I've got to think that if he's healthy, you're going to see him in Boston before the year's out. It'll be exciting to see another top prospect. Of course, he's the team's number one prospect, number two prospect in all of baseball, according to MLBPipeline.com. Great stuff, Ian. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Red Sox edition. For Ian Brown, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next week.